Real news. True, honest, and not fake news. This week has been capsulated by the Hurricane Harvey. That's been the big headline all throughout the week. So we're going to start off by talking about Hurricane Harvey a bit. Uh, I'm not going to get too much into it. It's probably just going to be for the first half of the show here because the media has done enough work on talking about the hurricane. So I'm just going to talk about maybe some stuff they haven't really reported, maybe some stuff that's interesting that I found. You know, I've been following it as closely as I could. You know, sadly, I've been very busy, so I haven't been able to look as much. But unfortunately, 50 people have been, as of today, confirmed dead from the hurricane. Again, this is an absolutely tragic storm. Uh, I don't know anybody family-wise from Texas, but I did have a roommate who's from Texas. I don't know if he's in the area. I better check up, see how his family's doing, because it's absolutely... You've all seen the pictures online. It's absolutely uh, flooded these areas like crazy. I've never seen anything like it. It's just been a... You know, like some of the... It, it, it literally looks like the ocean like just went right into the... Uh, town of uh, Houston or Austin, wherever it's in that area. Uh, but, yeah, Houston, sorry. <laughs> but it's been, you know, dramatic, epic in scale. I mean, they've gotten like, I think, 40 or 50 inches of rain. Like, it's been insanity. Of course, Katrina was crazy, but Katrina didn't have the size or the amount of rainfall this did. But Texas, as people forget, has been through a drought, which I was always wondering, like, is a drought going to be, you know, is that going to be really bad in the future? Because now the ground's not moist it's really solid and dry that if you have a lot of rain that there's gonna be massive flooding well it looks like that's what's happened uh president trump has said today that he's going to work with congress to get eight billion dollars in aid to hurricane harvey victims in texas that's great to hear yeah was, i think it's about like 7.9 billion but it's eight billion dollars eight billion dollars going in aid trump himself will personally donate one million dollars now i've seen some fake news yeah ding 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 fake news alert um, we're going to keep doing that segment on this show because we're real news here. There were reports saying that he's not going to donate the $1 million. That's a bunch of crap. Don't listen to the fake news, people. That is a bunch of crap. He is donating a $1 million. That is still happening. But the White House has said that they're still trying to figure out you know, which charities they're going to deal with, you know, how they're going to distribute it. You know, they're doing, they're doing their job of vetting it, doing it properly. Cause there's a lot of fraud going on people, a lot of fraud. Be careful what you donate to donate to reputable charities or local charities that have good reputation. I would steer clear of the red cross as much as I, they're, they're a good charity, but I've heard there's been some problems there, but you can donate to them. I mean, it's fine. But I, I've just heard that they, you know, the reason I say this is because they don't put all the money toward necessarily what you, you know, are thinking to do. Like if there was like a donation saying give it to the Hurricane Harvey victims, there have been past situations where they haven't donated all the money there. I mean, they're still using the money for good purposes, obviously, but to just keep knowing that. So if you want to steer clear from them for that reason, that's fine, whatever. But, uh, you know. Just be careful of all the fraud. There's a lot of fraud going out there. There's a lot of scum that think they can, you know, get rich from by exploiting these victims of this terrible hurricane. That is just sickening. But that's the way the world works. It's dirty. It's rough. So be careful. But like I said, $8 billion in aid's going. Trump's going to give $1 million. That's No president has ever done that before. It's absolutely historic. I've never seen a president be so personal so generous that he's going to donate a million dollars of his own money 
to the hurricane victims. That's that's a man that loves his country. And that's really, really nice. Of course, he's got $10 billion. So people are like, oh, what's $1 million to him? Well, it, he could have given none. He's still not taking his salary. I mean, this is more than he would have made his salary. He's giving away $1 million. That's great of him. It's really, really nice, really generous. And I appreciate that he does that. It shows to me that he actually cares. And he's not going to just virtue signal, go down there, hug a few people, and then leave. And treat him like crap, like Bush did of Katrina, which was an utter disgrace. But thankfully, because of that disgrace, the government is super paranoid and doing it absolutely perfectly with no issues. So, you know, bad situations bring out some good. And that's what's been so beautiful about this hurricane. It's, you know, this hurricane brought the worst to Texas. But Texas brought out the best in themselves. The people have been amazing, wonderful, beautiful Americans. We're helping total strangers every single day. I mean, I was looking at the pictures, and there was like people of all races, all colors, all genders, all creeds going out there and just saving people. Like, I remember this one cool video where this guy, he's, he's got his boat on his truck, and they're talking to him. He had a reporter, and he's like, what are you going to do? And the guy, you know, he's like this big, strong black guy. Like, you look like a real cool guy. He goes, we're going to save some lives. I was like, yes. <laughs> That's the American spirit right there. I mean, I've been so impressed by how Texans are responding to this tragedy. It is beautiful to see, like, because there are these photos of, like, you know, like there's this one black firefighter guy or National Guard. <coughs> Sorry about that. I uh, forget who he was, but in, he was holding a, uh, I think a white baby in his hands. And then there, of course, the flip side of that with a white guy holding a black baby in his hands, you know, going through the f- flood wars. And it just shows, again, Americans don't care about your race. They care about your character. They care about you as a person. They care about your life. Identity politics has been totally flooded out with this hurricane. It's been washed out. And that has been so beautiful to see, especially after the tragedy in Charlottesville, which to me showed identity politics on the left and the right coming head on in a violent clash. And that was just tragic. But now you're seeing people pull together, come together as one and help one another. It's just been beautiful. I love it. Love it. Again, I wish we didn't have to have this happen. I wish we didn't have a hurricane. But the way we've been reacting to such a bad situation has been amazing. Absolutely amazing. And there was also this great video I encourage you all to check out online of this woman that was interviewed on CNN. And, you know, she's with her kid. She just got out of the hurricane. She's been, like, through, you know, heck and back. She's just seen it all. She's been through a terrible situation. And the CNN people are just going around like vultures, finding victims. We want a new story. And they're coming around. They're trying to find them. And then they, you know, I, I don't know if she accepted the interviews because that's usually what you do with interviews. You have to accept it and then you do it. But she comes up to this one woman, just puts the microphone like, right in her face and is like, Yo, you know, there have been children like flowing down the streets and they're seeing all this tragedy. What, how does that make you feel? It was something along those lines. But I'm like, what? the bleep are you saying to her oh my god she's basically saying you know like there are all these people that have been dying this flood war has been so bad like how does that make you feel i these reports ask stupid freaking questions i mean this woman just witnessed the worst disaster of her life her her house is probably 
filled with water. And you're asking her, how does it make you feel? Well, what do you think? I mean, jeez. Oh. And she unloaded on that report. She unloaded. She just went after saying um, something along the lines of, you know, we just been through our worst times and you're coming around here asking us questions and exploring this tragedy. You know, and she was going off. I and she was she was cursing too, like she was dropping some F and H S moms, and it was all on live TV. It was so great because they couldn't cut it out, they couldn't edit it. It just kept going live. It was wonderful. And right when the report, you know, you know, she complains to the report that she's doing this. The report goes, "Oh, I'm sorry." Pulls the mic back and then puts it right back in her face. What are you doing, you utter prick? That is, the woman just told you how bad this was and how you've been exploiting them. And you apologize. And what's your response? Put the mic back into her face. That just shows that, they, I, and I understand these reporters. They got to do their job. They got to get footage. Got to make their boss happy. They got to look good. That's fine. But there is a line. When someone tells you, don't interview me. Don't bother me. I've just been through the worst thing in my life. A hurricane just come through here. Flood my house. You stay away from them. Listen. <laughs> Okay, just make sure you look bad because now this video's gone viral and people are talking about how scummy and mean CNN was to her. I'm not trying to pick on CNN. Okay, I am. But you get the point. <laughs> I just wish they would be a little more respectful, courteous, and kind to these people. That's all I ask. Just be nice. Just be kind. Don't be a jerk, okay? And that wasn't the end of the snobby media being a bunch of pricks. Charlie Hebdo, who... I thought was pretty bold and, you know, uh, unafraid when they did like their past magazine coverage where like they do predict, you know, um, depictions of Muhammad and a bunch of like, you know, uh, controversial topics like uh, homosexuality, Islam, the war on terror, Israel. They had some pretty good magazine covers. Like they were top notch, you know, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? It's like they really grabbed your attention and they were provocative. That's where they were extremely provocative and extremely effective. I thought good for them. Good for them for fully expressing their freedom of speech. And then of course, tragically their magazine headquarters got shot up by a bunch of terrorists, some radical Islamic terrorists that couldn't handle a freaking joke. But th what they did recently is disgraceful. If you saw the cover, the cover was of Nazi salutes and Nazi flags coming out of the flood wars, obviously paralleling Hurricane Harvey. What are they trying to say? Are they saying Texans are all Nazis? Are you people out of your minds? Do you understand reality? Have you been seeing the pictures of all these great people of all colors, creeds, and genders saving one another? Like I said, it's been the most beautiful reaction to a tragedy I've ever seen. Of course, I'm young, but in my 19 years, that was it was beautiful, amazing. It showed the true colors of America, of the red, white, and blue that makes us Americans. And they have a cover of Nazi flags and Nazi salutes. What the heck is that? What are they trying to say? Are, are they saying that, you know, they're making fun of these people that think they're all Nazis? Because I didn't think that was the point. They were making, you know, calling, you know, labeling all these Texans as Nazis, as racists, as bigots. That is disgraceful, offensive, and frankly, I think they should be ashamed of what they did. But 
like I said, they have the right freedom of speech. They have the right to say stuff. No matter how offensive it is, they can say it. I don't care. They can say what they did on this magazine cover. It's perfectly legit. The only problem is that I have with it is that it was just extremely distasteful. It was tasteless, classless, and very, very wrong. Again, they had the freedom of speech to do this. I'm not going to go down and shoot up their headquarters at all because guess what? I can handle it. I can move on and ignore it. What I'm just going to do is not buy their magazine. They've never bought before, but I'm not going to buy it now because why support that? So, again, that's how the free market sells it. That's how society and culture sells it. Just don't buy into it. Don't, you know, if, if you disagree with them, tell them. We might learn some from it, okay? We might bring some good out of that. And that's, to me, that's just a simple way to handle it. Don't go burning down, you know, their headquarters, shooting it up or doing anything violent and disgraceful like that because all that does is make people angrier and it kills people. It hurts people. And that doesn't solve anything. That makes things worse, okay? Pretty straightforward stuff. But <sighs> I had to rain on that because it just, it really upset me that, we were having this very patriotic moment as a country, this beautiful moment, people saving one another, pulling each other out of the flood wars and you know, saving them on their, you know, their sea dews and their homemade boats. It was just absolutely beautiful. I mean, I this is why I love this country, because when you see stuff like that, you know there are good people out there. In fact, there are great people out there that truly love this country. And to see them taint them as Nazis is disgraceful, because they're not. They're good people. They're not racist, as you could see. But what happened today also was really cool, too. Because, you know, some people complained Trump didn't meet with the victims. The last time he went down there, okay, that's a somewhat legitimate complaint. But I, I think the reason he stayed out of the, you know, not going to victims and flood wars, because it was just after this thing happened. It was just, you know, becoming a tropical storm. So he thought he'd stay away, not get uh, caught up in the you know, recovery effort and make a disruption and slow things down, which I think is respectful of him. So today he went there, he talked to the press a bit, and it was just wonderful because he started handing out food, you know, uh, talking to all the people, taking selfies, cracking jokes, and really, really cute moments when he was in this one area and he's standing there talking to people. And this little girl... She's like, you know, five or six or three maybe, runs right up to him and gives him a big hug, it, you know, right on his legs and his, you know, lower body. It was really cute, really beautiful, really nice. And then, of course, Trump hugged her back and lifted her up and gave her a nice big kiss on the head. So that was nice to see. And at one point, like, when he was handing out the food, <laughs> it was really funny. Like, I, I don't know what he was doing because he just kind of got in there. He's looking around, he's looking at stuff, and he might have been, like, picking some stuff up, and he just goes, my hands are too big. <laughs> I was laughing pretty hard at that way. It was pretty funny because, you know, everybody made, you know, Marco Rubio and a bunch were making fun of him. If his hands are small, something else is small. So Trump, you know, fired back in that debate. If my hands are small, then something else must be small. But I can guarantee you there's no problem there. And, you know, everybody laughed, of course, at that debate. But, uh... That was great. Yeah, because I, I, I saw him make that joke. It was just funny because it just comes out of nowhere. Like, I didn't see it coming, and he just delivers it well. Uh, it was a really beautiful, nice moment. So the energy in that room lifted 
up to 100 and 50 and beyond. The energy just exploded out of the room when he got there. Everybody was so happy to see him. They were crying. They were hugging him. They were overjoyed to see him. And they were taking selfies and having a great time meeting their president. And one beautiful moment in particular I saw on Twitter, there was one person that took a selfie with him, and she said that she didn't like him. She was not a fan of Trump. She didn't like him. But after that selfie and after meeting him, she said that she had totally changed. She liked the guy. And she actually, I think, is going to support him now. She said he was very kind and reassured her that everything's going to be okay. And that, to me, is a wonderful moment right there. Very powerful, very touching. That This woman, her views made it a complete 180 because he visited her and gave her a helping hand. So that was very nice to see. Uh, the last thing I want to touch on, because I got CNN's really making the headlines, there is a theory out there that CNN may have faked a, a recovery, you know, a rescue effort of a person. Because you can look this up online, Google CNN stages rescue effort Hurricane Harvey, and you can judge it for yourself. But what I saw in the clip was there's this guy that's giving a report. He's got a red jacket on, okay? It's very important. And he's got uh, khaki pants on. You know, sorry, it's khaki shorts. He's got khaki shorts on. And there's they're filming live. They're doing a report. Then he hears somebody call him for help. He runs out of frame. Run, you know, the camera kind of jerks over to see him. And you can see him running with his khaki shorts. And then the camera cuts. And you see him pulling a guy out of a, I think it was like a, pickup or maybe it was a river I, I forget I'm sorry you can look this up but and then when you see him doing that he has black pants on like what CNN was saying that he you know rescued this guy live you know on air like he, you know, in seconds well, did he change his pants in between this I mean what's going on I was very confused by that so we'll have to I haven't heard any follow up on that so I'd like to learn more about what's happening there. It's very bizarre. Absolutely bizarre. Like his pants, I'm, I'm not kidding. His pants change from khaki shorts to black pants. What's going on there? Is it like some other guy that's doing that? I mean, I, I don't get it. I mean, he had the mic on him, so it sounded like it was him there. I mean, I, I really don't get it. So they could have staged that. I don't know. You guys are going to have to look that up for sure and see what's going on there. <laughs> I'm going to talk about now Antifa, or as some have said, the alt-left. I'm going to talk about this tragic, violent, uh, fascist movement that has been sweeping America for the past 18 months. And the media has only been starting to talk about it for the past two weeks. Sort of. Kind of. I'll talk about that in a second. So, to give you some perspective, Antifa is a terrorist organization. Let's not sugarcoat this. They are a bunch of terrorists. And their mission, their slogan is, you know, through any means possible. It's basically their slogan. And they recruit people and go out there and beat up fascists. That's what they think they're doing. They have slogans like bash the fash, punch a Nazi, and a bunch of others. And what they do is they dress all up in black. They go out in the streets with clubs, with M80s, with their and with their fists. And start beating people up that they think are Nazis and that they think are fascists. 
This can be Trump supporters. This can be right-wingers. This can be left-wingers. This can be anybody, even actual Nazis. They've gone and attacked anyone that they don't agree with, basically. So Antifa really gained their headlines, I'd say, in about January 20th when Trump was inaugurated. Them and a bunch of anarchists were turning Washington, D.C. into a war zone. It was a war zone. They were throwing trash cans into Starbucks windows, beating the windows, beating up trash cans, which look pretty stupid, by the way. I mean, what do these people think they're going to accomplish by beating up a trash can? I'm not exaggerating. They were taking clubs. They were punching a trash can. A trash can. I mean, how dumb are these people? Uh, But... They, okay, they did that. They destroyed Washington, D.C. when Trump was inaugurated. Okay, is that it, Sean? No, they've done even worse. Uh, what happened specifically was in Berkeley. Berkeley, the center of free speech, the free speech capital of America. This is where the kids protested Vietnam for peace and love. Had then brought in Milo Yiannopoulos, a conservative, provocative speaker. Fine, nothing a big deal there. He's got freedom of speech at public university, right? Wrong, according to Antifa. They destroyed Berkeley. They set Berkeley on fire. Fire, people. This thing was insane. If you haven't looked it up, Google it. Milo Yiannopoulos, Berkeley. And you'll see that the whole campus was destroyed. Absolutely destroyed by these thugs. All because a gay conservative Jewish man with Point of view they disagree with came to speak. That's all it was really. But they thought he was a Nazi. Uh, last I checked, there weren't that many gay Jew Nazis. <laughs> In fact, there were none. But I digress. So they did that. They made Berkeley a mess. And they, you know, that's when things started, you know, the right really started to pay attention to these people. Because the right had targets on their back, specifically Trump supporters. But then a few weeks later, the now infamous battle of Berkeley happened where the alt-right, a bunch of Trump supporters, and a mix of other people. It, honestly, it's really hard to tell who's in some of these groups. So I'll be using a lot of labels here, and I apologize, but that's the only way I can talk about this in general terms. And the alt-right and Antifa basically had a battle. No exaggeration. They were Antifa was throwing M80s, hitting people, punching people, and the alt-right which are scum, and I disagree with them too, who made up a portion of that crowd. I really don't know how much. They were there to defend themselves. They were there because they said, you know what, we know there's going to be Antifa here. We're holding it because it was a free speech rally. The right was holding a free speech rally. The general right was holding a free speech rally. So they had all right people there basically as like right-wing protection squads. And I'm not saying that to justify their violence, to justify anything. I don't justify any type of violence. Violence is wrong, unproductive, and stupid. And they were basically out there fighting these people, you know, in just a battle. It was just a battle. I mean, there's no other way to put it. They, and again, like I said, Tim Pool is out there. He has great live feeds that he does when he goes to these events. If you want to see what really goes down, just check his live streams out. Antifa is throwing M.A.s at these people. M.A.s. Those are bombs. They can kill you. They can hurt you really badly. Very dangerous stuff. And so th- while that was happening, like I said, there was kind of bad. And they all went into the streets, and one Antifa moron threw a smoke grenade into the street, 
And <laughs> the funniest moment was that was from that because it literally backfired on him. The wind blew in the wrong direction and right at Antifa. So the smoke was all going towards them. I said, these people are morons. They're idiots. I mean, my God. I, <laughs> so stupid. But that happened. And then the right, you know, they were all fighting them and it kind of simmered out. Then another battle, Berkeley, happened. More violence kept happening. Little insolence in Portland and other areas happened. But this has been going on for 18 months, okay? This was no secret. Reporters, though, weren't on the ground because they are cowards. They don't want to report on this. It doesn't fit their narrative, and they don't want to go into any danger. But Tim Pool was there. I give him a lot of credit. He's the only guy that really went down there and actually got hit, put his live on the line and actually reported something that nobody else was talking about. Nobody, except people on the right. Say what you will about that, but people on the right. And what then later happened was that uh, we had Charlottesville. And that's where I'm kind of pivoting to now to connect some recent news. Charlottesville, I want to settle, clear up a bunch of dirty air here. Because people have been getting so much false information, so much fake news, they don't know what happened. They don't have a fair analysis. I was following it that day. I was watching it. I was taking, you know, my notes and looking at it to see what was happening. Basically, the alt-right was hosting an event there. And many people were saying, on the right, don't go to this event, guys. This is a bunch of Nazis. This is a bunch of wackos. We don't associate with these people. They call it a Unite the Right event. Well, all it did was divide the right. And it was... Just a bunch of, you know, these fringe Nazi racist people there. They're fringe. Like, these people came from all over the country, this thing. I mean, they had to really, you know, search through every nook and cranny to find some Nazis. Like, oh, none over here, none over here. Crap, we're going to find some. And they finally found enough to actually have a rally, Unite the Right Rally, with that moron Richard Spencer. And they, you know, they had their rally. This was theirs. They got the permit. They have the right to do this, people. It's freedom of speech. They got the permit. They were good to go. Nothing wrong. Nothing. Were they saying hate speech? Sure, but hate speech is free speech. The Supreme Court ruled that hate speech is free speech. Nothing wrong with it. They can say it. Even if it's disgusting and deplorable, they can say it. As long as they aren't inciting violence. Now, what happened? You had those tiki torches at the pre which looked pretty stupid, to be honest. And... You know, they, they you know were provoking people and trying to make themselves look cool and edgy. But they really didn't. And so that was their, you know, sort of like poke at the bear. And so then Antifa came. Antifa came and they started. They, and everybody on both sides had shields. They had bats. They had weapons. They had, they were ready for a brawl, okay? Both sides came to brawl both sides came to fight each other that's no secret people okay both sides many sides as trump would say too there are many sides there that were violent they came for a fight and that's what they got so they started dishing it out and that was happening for a while then some sick moron decided to take his dodge charger and drive through a crowd of people and then killed a person and when I saw that, I was disgusted, absolutely disgusted that somebody died from a protest of ideas. That's basically what it was. You hear people in the news saying, oh, but the left was fighting fascism. Uh -huh. 
guys. They were using violence against perfectly fine, peaceful protesters. There is no justification for violence. Those people on that they're protesting are scum. But they have the right to be scum. They have the right to say scummy things, okay? That doesn't mean you beat them up, okay? Just because they're a Nazi doesn't mean you punch them. Just because you disagree with them doesn't mean you can punch them. There is no justification for violence at all. Unless, of course, it's self-defense, but that's a different story, and that's not what we're talking about here. So that guy drove his car into a crowd and killed a person, and for no freaking reason. I mean, this person is a murderer. This person's a sicko. And I'm glad he's in jail. I'm glad that he's going to rot for the rest of his life, hopefully, because of this, because it was absolutely terrible. But, 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 it's a big but here. There was a, many sides there that were violent, okay? It wasn't just the right. Obviously, Nazis are the worst, and a Nazi, neo-Nazi, whatever you categorize this guy, killed a person, that's the worst. Of course, but there were still bad people on the other side. There were bad people on the alt-left, on the right, on Antifa, on the Nazis. There were bad people all over the place there. And, dare I say this, there were some good people mixed in. There were some decent people there because the main protest was about the Robert E. Lee statue. Some people just wanted to stay there. That's perfectly reasonable. I mean, we can have a debate on that. And that's, that's what really should have been happening there. A debate of ideas. Should this statue stay here? Is it, you know, should we have a Confederate guy on here? You know, is it something we should learn from by having the statue here? Or is it something disgraceful? Like, why would you want this loser, you know, as a statue here? You know, that's a debate you can have. That's great. That's how things get solved. That's how we come together as a nation. That's how we learn our differences, understand each other, and hopefully reach a conclusion. Okay. That's what should have happened. What actually happened was a bunch of guys use, use, that's the key word here, they use this statue to stage a battle. And that's what happened. A battle happened, okay? There's no getting around that. It was a battle both sides with some good people caught in the mix of it. And what you have was the alt-left, the Antifa, you know, doing what they do best, which is be violent, Okay. And for people to deny that and for attacking Trump, I thought was one of the stupidest, most annoying things I've ever heard. Because what Trump said the first time, you know, his first speech was, you know, I condemn hatred, bigotry, and violence, you know, and all this bad stuff. It's basically what he says. He doesn't, you know, he condemned all that. That was a great statement for the time because right when after, right when he said that, I, again, I don't have the timeline perfectly in my head. That may have been before the car crash happened. I don't know. So don't hold me on that. But it could have been before. It could have been after. But the facts out there were so vague. Like even when the car crash happened, I was seeing people on both the, you know, the right-wing accounts and like the new media and which were saying that they think it was an Antifa driver. That was the first reports I heard. Then you learned it was a neo-Nazi alt-right scum. So... There was obviously a scumbag in that car, but we didn't know which. So, fine. And, you know, the, the facts were, we didn't have all the facts. We didn't know exactly what happened. So, I think Trump made the right move that day to say what he said. Then they, you know, complained about him and blah, 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 blah. That's all I heard on CNN for those two days. And then he came out and specifically condemned white nationalists, white supremacists, neo-Nazis, KKK, all those racist scum. 
So they weren't happy after that. They said, oh, because this is exactly, I knew this was going to happen. Scott Adams predicted it. Steve Bannon predicted it. I predicted it. Many people predicted this, that they would say uh, a couple things. One, it wasn't soon enough. And second, it wasn't forceful enough. You people cannot be satisfied. I mean, what do you, like, what, what is enough? What is the, you know, the goal line? Where, how hard does he have to condemn these people? He's done it for the past 20 years. I mean, there's so much footage of him saying, I condemn racists, I condemn the, so I gotta get my Trump voice on. I condemn racists and I condemn neo-Nazis. They're bad people and I don't like them. He's done it so many times, people. So many times. And he did it a lot on Sunday. And then he had that press conference, which which was awesome. Oh, that was so good. He was unloading on the media like a freaking firing squad. Like, I mean, they didn't know what hit him. He was just going. I, I've always said he's got to do more press conferences because he's so good at them. Yo, he just picks them off like, boom, CNN, boom, ABC, boom, CBS. He just keeps asking them questions and just shooting them right down. He is killer good in press conferences. Uh, but uh, he even called like a, you know, like a CNN at one point, like, like the person kept interrupting. He said, excuse me, I'm not done fake news. <laughs> it was so funny. I mean, he's, he's hilarious. That's one of his like biggest towns that nobody talks about. He's hilarious. And he uses that to the best of his, you know, ability. He just does amazing at it. But, you know, and in that press conference, he said there were bad people on many sides. There were alt-left and, you know, neo-Nazis. There were alt-right. There were people on all these sides that were bad. Because, like, what you people got to understand is, like, Antifa isn't a unified, structured group. They don't have leadership. They don't have, you know, like a company where they have like a CEO and like a bunch of people below them and a bunch of people below them. There's no organization here. It's a very vague group. And that's why you kind of have to paint like the all, you know, the left, the violent radical left with the Antifa or alt left brush because you really don't know what to call these people. And that's the same with the alt right. They're very ununified, very disorganized, very vague how you define them. So. Trump did the right thing in labeling them that way, and he did the right thing in that press conference and all these other things. He was great at delivering a clear, consistent message. So I think I think he handled the whole thing fine, personally. The only like the, what he said, there was nothing wrong with what he said. The only thing he did wrong, you could say, is strategy-wise, which is he left the hole open for them to attack him on this stuff. He shouldn't have left that hole there. What he should have probably said. When we didn't know all the facts was, we don't know all the facts. If there were Nazis there, I disavow. They're bad. They're scum. If it was an alt-left person, they're bad. They're scum. Disavow. You know, I think that would have been best, but what he, still what he did was fine. Okay? And the, the the problem was with him giving in on that second statement was that he gave, he gave into the media. He gave them a bone. He let them win. He didn't not apologize like he normally does. And I understand why he chose to do that. I It was probably the best thing to do. But at the same time, he gave in to them. And when you do that, then they're going to start taking advantage of that. Because you set a precedent. You set a precedent of, you know, if, if you complain enough to me, I'll give in to you. And that's that's that can be dangerous. So, that you know, that happened. But it's fine. 
Uh, but I'm just glad that, you know, we've moved past that. Because like I said, what happened at that event was identity politics on the left and the right coming head on together in a nasty, violent battle. And it was absolutely disgraceful what happened that day. It's, it, re- it really made me mad and it formed a new hatred for me for identity politics because I... I hate racists. I hate Nazis. Obviously, I hate all these bad people. You know, it's like Trump. It's like, do I have to point this out? Like, nobody in this country is racist. Nobody, except one tiny, tiny percent is racist. And that's, look, they didn't have that many people in Charlottesville. They barely got enough people to look like that they had, you know, a, a rally there. You know, all, a lot of Americans are great people, as we saw in Hurricane Harvey. But... Like I said, I hate ra- any anybody that uses identity in politics. I hate like I formed a ruin you hate after Charlottesville because I couldn't define this sort of like you know this sort of tactic. Like usually it's not it's on the left right now because they've been smart enough to use it, which is using your identity of race, gender, sexual orientation to push political things. You know, it's kind of like affirmative action or the uh, gays coming out saying yo. I'm gay, like, you got to do this for me because I'm gay, like, you know, stuff like that. And I like gays, no problem with them. But I just don't like this identity politics just polluting the debate. Because what identity politics does is it makes people care and obsess over things that don't matter. They make things that don't matter, matter, which is race, you know, gender, sexuality, all that stuff. Because to me, when you're having a debate over ideas, it's about ideas. It's not about race. It's not about gender. It's not about any of that crap. It's about whose ideas are better. What can we learn from it? What can we understand? It's a debate. So when you bring up like, you know, it's, it's always the classic example of like when you're losing an argument with a liberal, they label you as a racist. And that's very true. I've experienced that. Like I'm just having reasonable debates and they call me a racist. I'm like, this has nothing to do with it. We're just debating ideas. I don't care about your race. I say that in a nice way too. I just care about the content of your character. Guess who said that? Martin Luther King Jr. But I digress again because people forget about what we've come from. We've come from a man, Martin Luther King, who preached that all the time, that we're not going to judge based on race. And what people are doing now is judging on race. It doesn't matter. Race doesn't matter. It doesn't. What does that mean in discussing economics? Nothing. What does this mean in discussing, uh, you know, the, uh, the, uh, I guess say the class of the country? Nothing. What we need to talk about is how to make these things better. That's all you need to talk about. You don't need to talk about race. So that's why I hate identity politics with a passion because what it does is it brings up stuff that doesn't matter and makes it matter. And, the, you know, I've, everybody gets really nasty over identity politics too, I, politics too, I know. For example, Richard Spencer, who's a white nationalist, I don't know if he's a white supremacist. It's very confusing. I don't understand the guy. I don't think he understands himself. He tweeted out a... Uh, a video of people that were standing outside saying, like, there's getting people sign a petition to uh, free oppressed Kekistanis. If you don't know, Kekistan is a meme that is a mockery of identity politics. Because it, it, people always say they can identify as, you know, like a man, a woman, a queer, uh, gender fluid, or whatever. You know, there's all these identities. Identify as black, identify as white. So what the Kekistan meme basically does is says, okay, if you can identify as that, I can identify as Kekistani. 
it's kind of like the attack helicopter meme. You know, uh, there are like where people are like, uh, you know, there's like 50,000 genders and they're just like, okay, now I identify the hel attack helicopter. Because you can identify as anything, so you can identify as Kekistani. So what's clever about that is that, you know, they mock it and show its silliness because they show, one, it doesn't matter, you know, what your identity is, and two, you know, you could, they make it sound like you can identify as anything when you really can't. So Richard Spencer, though, tweeted out this video of people signing a petition to free Kekistan. And what he, you know, Richard Spencer's, you know, put a hashtag, I think, on there, like hashtag free Kekistan, and his Twitter blew up with people saying, how dare you tweet that? What are you doing? This is stupid. This is silly. I Like people were freaking out at Richard Spencer over this because he's an identitarian. He's obsessed with identity politics. That's all he's all about is white this, white that. Same thing with these radicals on the left where it's all about black this, black that, Hispanic this, Hispanic that. And so when you when you tweet out something that makes fun of identity politics and you have followers that are identitarians, they freak out. Like they lose their minds. And that showed me right there that people are so touchy when you talk about identity politics, which is why I hate it. It's not that I can't handle the debate. It's just it makes people act emotional and irrational over things that don't matter. Simple as that. So... You know, that's really why I hate identity politics. And I finally figured out the term identity politics through Sargon of Akkad, a great, smart YouTuber that was talking about, I think it was on Joe Rogan's podcast, I first heard him say it. And then I really understood, like, what that was. And it really opened my eyes to, like, classify what that was and made things a lot more sensible. But what I want to bring you to full circle is that I hate this sort of battle over these identity politics so that's why charlottesville made me pretty mad like i usually don't get too emotional over news or anything i mean i'll get passionate but certain like stuff like that really just bugs me because i just wish we'd be done with all that now just start talking about the issue stop talking about things that don't matter i mean my god people but what i want to get to about that and that's why because we had hurricane harvey and that like i said it washed identity politics out because it showed Americans helping Americans. It was just so beautiful. Such a 360 from what we just saw. Like, I don't, I, don't, I don't know how many degrees we can keep going. It was just such a dramatic flip. It flipped like, of course, it'd be 180, but this thing kept flipping. Like, it flipped so big that we moved way away from identity politics to just Americans helping Americans because they were in need of help. It was just a a love fest people just loved each other it's such a terrible time but well the current event that comes ties all into this is that the washington post who i'm not a fan of had the most accurate headline they've ever printed i'm gonna read it to you black clad antifa attack right-wing demonstrators uh peaceful right-wing demonstrators in berkeley this just happened like a few days ago. That is the uh, that is the exact thing I've been saying for the past freaking 18 months. And they finally printed that. Finally they got it right. Black clad Antifa members attack peaceful right-wing demonstrators in Berkeley. Thank you. Thank you for finally getting it right. Oh my god. It took us this long. And then what gets even weirder. Paul Ryan comes out. 
condemns Antifa. Joe Scarborough, Crazy Joe, or Psycho, was it Crazy Crazy Mika and Psycho Joe? Psycho Joe says he disavows the violence on the alt-left. Then Nancy Pelosi, of all people, comes out of the woodworks and condemns Antifa. I couldn't believe what I was seeing. These people that have said nothing, zip, zero, zilch, for the entire past 18 months had finally condemned them. I was shocked. But then, interesting story out, Politico came out, which said the DHS had classified Antifa as a terrorist organization back in 2016. Wow, we're just learning about this now? 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 What? what guys, what, why didn't we know about this before? And then I realized, oh, that's why Paul Ryan and Nancy Pelosi and all these mainstream media outlets decided to disfound Tifa. Oh, isn't that weird? They all knew this story was coming. They all knew that if they didn't disavow, they'd be supporting a terrorist organization. Let that sink in. To quote Paul Joseph Watson, I was shocked, again, like I said, about their, you know, oh, we disavow the old left, those fines, it's so bad, oh my God. I was like, what, what, what's going on here? This is really weird. And then you see DHS, Classifies them as a terrorist organization. Oh, I see what's going on here. Makes sense now, doesn't it? It, it was really shocking, but I, I like seeing that Washington Post article, but then this all started to make sense because they didn't want to be caught supporting a terrorist group. So I'm glad they disavowed, but they waited 18 months too long, okay? Like I said... We've been talking about this for months and haven't heard a peep out of these people. A peep. Nothing. They haven't said a word. Trump said Antifa is Arizona right. Yeah, it was so funny. He goes, you know, he's talking about the violence and he goes, Antifa! You know, I was just like, oh my God, yes! Yes, he finally said it. That was the only problem with Trump's original statement is that he never called out Antifa, but he did. It was so good. Finally, we have somebody that called them out. Finally. And I don't want to give these people publicity, but somebody's got to condemn them. Somebody's got to go after these people stop them. They're committing violence. They're beating people up that they disagree with. You had Eric Clanton in Berkeley that hit people over the head with a bike lock. He just hit people over the head with a bike lock, like whack-a-mole, like wham, wham, wham. All because they disagreed with him. You had violence in the street. Berkeley was a war zone. A war zone. And now they've finally woke up to it. What took them so long? It's been disgraceful. I've been writing about Antifa for the past 30 minutes, and I've had to because nobody's talked about this. We've talked about this on this show. <laughs> I can't, let's think about this. A college amateur radio show in Pennsylvania was talking about Antifa more than the mainstream News, the multi-billion dollar corporations of Time Warner and CNN and all the Fox News. Well, Fox, I would give them credit. They covered it somewhat, but not as much as they should have. Okay, let me say that again, though. A small radio, college radio station in Pennsylvania was covering Antifa more on a weekly basis. We only had a weekly show. These guys had it all day. Then CNN, MSNBC, 
NBC, CBS, ABC. We were covering it more than them. Let that sink in. To quote Paul Joseph Watson again, I mean, holy crap. That is something. Okay, well, I guess real news here is better than the fake news. I mean, I already knew we were better than the fake news, but real news is doing a better job than the mainstream media. Let that sink in. Oh, my God. This stuff makes me boil because it's just, I, I. it's lazy reporters that don't care about their, um, about the truth. It's lazy reporters that don't care about reporting the news properly. They just care about their careers. They just care about getting that nice little anchor spot on the CNN table. Oh, it's so nice. They just care about getting a raise, getting a better job, pushing their image, getting more opportunities. They don't care about you. They don't care about reporting things accurately. Oh, God, why would they do that? They don't care about anything but money. It's all about money in the end. It's about ratings. It's about getting good sponsors. It's about getting good viewers. It's about getting a good name so that you can keep furthering your career. It's all about money. It's all they care about. I mean, these are businesses. That's the beauty of the news is that it's not government-run except PBS, but, you know, that gives some competition there. But the beauty of news is that it's a free market. But the problem is they're all in it for money, so that's all they care about. So that, And that's what makes the CNN, you know, staging the rescue a little suspicious because that'd be a big ratings boost. That'd be a viral video. They'd love that crap. I mean, they, oh, Jeff Zucker's probably eating that crap up. Oh, my God. Ate up more than his hot tequila for lunch. I mean, holy crap. I mean, hot tequila, you can't eat a tequila. <laughs> that's a bad analogy. It's been two weeks, people. Too much. Uh, but that's like Jeff Zucker just eating that hoagie. He'd eat this story up quicker than that hoagie. Oh, I'm putting on my Alex Jones impression now. You know, <laughs> I've actually been watching a little bit just to see how crazy that guy's been acting. Yeah, Alex Jones is an interesting fellow, by the way. If you want some entertainment, don't watch CNN. Don't watch Fox. Watch Alex Jones. That guy is funny. He is freaking crazy, but he's freaking funny. He is hilarious. Because so, guess what? I'm a, somebody uh, made a song about Alex Jones. They made this, they took things, crazy things he said and made it into a song. This is Super Deluxe. And Super Deluxe made a song of all the crazy things he said. And it, you know, they show the video. So it looks like he's like singing the song and they make this funny, catchy tune uh, called Jones Ivor. I'm going to play that in a few seconds, but it's funny. And Alex Jones embraced it. He's like, these people are Super Deluxe. I got work on my impression. They're red-pilling people secretly. I know about this, and I'm proud of them. They're patriots. And so at InfoWords, we're going to launch a contest. And that's what he did. He launched a contest about the song, you know, uh, instructing people to make covers of it. And he just announced the winner uh, the last, uh, I think it was like two days ago, and it is just funny. So I'm going to play that out as we end today of Real News. Catch us back next week with more real news, true, honest, and not fake news. I'm going to be more awake next week, more energized, and back with my guests. I'll see you then. Thank you for listening. Christian murderers gone, they're on giant death factories
keeping babies alive and selling their body parts. What more do you need to know about these people? I go out and face these scum. They literally crawl out from under rocks. They have green looking skin and they run around screaming, We love Satan, we want to eat babies. I have them on video. Hillary's in the creepy weird six stuff man She sleeps in the same room with that creepy weird woman Whose mother wears a hood over her head What the hell? That woman number one is ugly Imagine how bad she smells man I'm told her and Obama just stink Obama and Hillary both smell like sulfur Literal vampire pot and the goblins Are hobbling round coming after us My spirit gets close to that evil and I feel it go Self-centered crap We don't even notice And it's self rising up against us Millions of pointed people Of the very worst type And I'm so pissed We're gonna stab your daughter at the mall oh, oh, oh. We're gonna stab your wife, your son I was watching Fox News as I worked out this morning. Thank you for listening. We'll be back next week with more Real News.